It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, friends? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the pod, everybody. Bill Rossetti with you guys here. Hope you guys had a good Monday or starting off the week on the right note. We're going to keep rolling on here with our kind of season flashbacks that we started yesterday. Monday, of course, we looked at the 1995 inaugural season of the Carolina Panthers. Today, I wanted to jump ahead a few years to uh, one of the fun runs of the uh, the Carolina Panthers. We talked about the Panthers uh, run to Super Bowl 50 a couple weeks ago uh, from five five seasons ago I thought today we we jump ahead a little bit and look ahead at the uh or take a look back at the first run to the Super Bowl for the Carolina Panthers back of course in 2003 it was their second season under head coach John Fox they were seven and nine the previous year in 2002 uh, of course the second year of the uh, the 32 team format after the Texans came into the NFL, and it was a strong season for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, So it started, we'll start with the NFL Draft, where the Panthers were holding the 8th overall pick in the NFL Draft, and of course, as you guys remember, uh, the Carolina Panthers found themselves a franchise stalwart in that 2003 draft. Now let's you know backtrack a little bit because remember this was uh, the fun NFL draft at that particular part of the first round because if you guys remember uh, the New Orleans Saints had just made their pick at number six overall when they took Jonathan Sullivan the defensive tackle out of Georgia. So then the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock and infamously uh, let time expire. At the seventh overall pick, so then the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars jumped in or jumped up and were able to essentially swipe that seventh pick from the Vikings, uh, and that is when they took Marshall quarterback Byron Leftwich with the seventh pick. And since the the uh, since the Vikings still had not made their pick, the Carolina Panthers jumped in and were able to pick ahead of the Vikings as well. And that, of course, is where they took Jordan Gross, the offensive tackle out of Utah, who, as we know, went on to have a tremendous career for the Carolina Panthers, stemming from 2003 through 2013. Made the Pro Bowl three times in his career, 2008, 2010, and 2013. And he was the first team All-Pro in 2008. He was... Uh, named to the uh, Pro Football Weekly All-Rookie Team in 2003, and he now, of course, is a member of the Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor, one of just five players 
that are in uh, in that group. Of course, he was one of four that were inducted last year, along with Steve Smith, Jake DeLome, and Wesley Walls. And then Sam Mills, of course, was also in the uh, in the Hall of Hon- or the the Hall of Honor for the Panthers. So that's where it all started for Jordan Gross. The Vikings, of course, would eventually finally jump back in with the ninth pick, taking Kevin Williams, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma State, who. Still wound up having a pretty good career himself, so it wasn't all bad for the Panther or for the Vikings. But Jordan Gross is who they took in round one. Then in round two, pick 50 overall, they went with Iowa guard Bruce Nelson. Then in round three, they actually took a pair of players from UCLA. First, it was tight end Mike Seedman at number 76 overall, and then cornerback Ricky Manning at number 82 overall. And then they kept with the uh, the Pac-12 flavor, or I should well, Pac-10 at the time, obviously. This was before Utah came into the league. But in round four, they took Stanford safety Colin Branch at 119 overall. Then in round five, they went with Alabama defensive tackle Kendall Moorhead, number 145 overall. And then a couple of players in round seven, but neither of which ultimately made the roster. Illinois wide receiver Walter Young at number 226 overall. And Stanford fullback Casey Moore at number 247 overall. And like we mentioned, Jordan Gross went on to make the Pro Bowl. The only one of that group that actually did. Uh, We know, like I said, John Fox, this was his second year as head coach. Dan Henning was his offensive coordinator along with uh, the quarterback's coach. And Mike Dragovac was their defensive coordinator. And like we talked about on Monday with some of the names that were on the coaching staff that have been successful in the NFL, you still have that here as well. Uh, Like Mike McCoy was an offensive assistant in this season for the Panthers. He, of course, uh, previously the, the head coach of the Chargers and most recently was in the NFL as the offensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. Uh, Sam Mills, of course, was the linebackers coach at this time. Uh, unfortunately, this was you know two years before his uh, unfortunate passing, but he was the linebackers coach at the time. And uh, Ken Flagel is still around as well. At the, at the time, uh, he was the linebackers coach for the Panthers. He's now the linebackers coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's actually already entering his fifth year as linebackers coach of the Eagles. He's been in the NFL since 1998 when he was a defensive quality control coach for the Packers. Uh, 2003 was actually his first year. So he was a newbie to the uh, to the Panthers in 03. He had spent the previous two seasons as defensive backs coach for the for the Seattle Seahawks. He actually replaced Sal Sinceri as linebackers coach as Sinceri had moved to the defensive line uh, for, for the Panthers. And he is now, he of course would coach that position until 2008 with the Panthers. And now he is a linebackers coach, actually back as linebackers coach at Alabama. He spent three years as assistant head coach and linebackers coach at Alabama, 09 to 11. His last stint in the NFL was from 15 through 17 as linebackers coach of the Oakland Raiders. So just some of the names that have uh, 
you know some of the intriguing names that are were on the coaching staff here. And if, you know S- Scott O'Brien was their assistant head coach as well as their special teams coach. He is he is now a area scout for the New England Patriots. He's been doing that since 2015. So some intriguing names throughout the coaching staff of this 2003 team. Obviously, of course, we know it was led on the field by number 17, Jake DeLome. You had uh, the strong running back duo of Stephen Davis and Deshaun Foster. You had Brad Hoover at fullback. Uh, of course, Steve Smith, Ricky Prohl, Musa Muhammad, Kevin Dyson, all at wide receiver. Uh, Jordan Gross on the offensive line. Brenston Buckner and Chris Jenkins among the D-tackles. Julius Peppers and Mike Rucker among the DNs. Uh, linebackers, Dan Morgan was there. Will Witherspoon, Brian Allen. A lot of big names there. Defensive backs. Uh, Dion Grant, Ricky Manning, Mike Minter. And of course, John Casey was still there as the uh, as the kicker. So the regular season started uh, September seventh, uh, week one of the season. And ironically, we're talking two thousand three, and we just talked nineteen ninety five. It was against the team that the Panthers came into the league with, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in a tight battle, twenty four to twenty three, Panthers jumped out to a one and zero start. And actually, of course, these games were at uh, Erickson Stadium. That's where the Panthers played there. Or that at the time, that's what the uh, the the name of the stadium was. Of course, it was. It would not be. It would still be a while before. Actually, this. Actually, this would be the last year. Two thousand three was the last year before it actually became Bank of America Stadium. As 04 is when. Bank of America purchased the naming rights. So it was still known as Erickson Stadium. Panthers opened there at home with the 24-23 win over the Jags. Then week two, they hit the road to take on Tampa Bay. 12-9 in overtime. They got to a 2-0 start. And then something you really don't see often. I, I can't remember the last time they've done this. The Panthers had their bye in week three. I mean, that is incredibly early. I mean... The, the earliest we've seen over the last few years a, a team having a bye is uh, week four. And this year, I think the byes don't start until week five. But week three is a tr- quite early. But remember, and, 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 you know, talking about the last time they've done this, I'm, I guess I'm more talking about, you know, realignment. Keep in mind, uh, for that short time when there was 31 teams in the NFL, odd number of teams... That meant that you had a bye week in every week of the regular season. So there were teams that were having their bye week in week one, and then there were tie or uh, teams that had their bye week in week seventeen. Now, it did just hit me too. Uh, there was a couple of years ago that the Buccaneers and the Dolphins had their week one bye uh, because they were scheduled to play against each other in the season opener. Uh, but the hurricane that was down there altered that game, so they had to push it back to later in the season so it ultimately meant that both those teams had their bye in week one but we're more talking about originally scheduled early bye weeks like that like the Panthers had in week three so they had that and then they uh they just kept coming out swinging coming out of the bye they beat the Falcons in week four 23 to three 
beat the Saints in week uh, week five, 19 to 13, and then beat the Colts on the road, 23 to 20 in overtime. That jumped the Panthers already out to a five and zero start before they suffered their first defeat of the of the season, week seven at home against the Tennessee Titans, losing 30 37 to 17. Then week eight, they went to New Orleans, beat the Saints again, 23-20. to So just like that, they had the season sweep of the Saints. That moved them to 6-1. and And then they went into the halfway point of the season at 6-2 and after losing at Houston 14-10. to And what was, of course, their first meeting against each other. So halfway point, they are at 6-2. and before we run through the rest of the schedule and ultimately the playoff run, uh, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Rock Auto, our new friends here. And if you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So our friends over at rockauto.com with the ever-increasing numbers of makes like Fiat, Kia, etc. and models, Pacifica, XT5, etc. It's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain format. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computers choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like mortgage or food. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts of the chain store or new car dealership? And chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered right to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So jumping back into the the regular season schedule again, we left the halfway point six and two after the loss to the Texans, but then the Panthers bounced back, getting the season sweep of the Buccaneers with a twenty seven to twenty four victory at home that put them at seven and two, and then they got to eight and two, knocking off the Washington Redskins twenty to seventeen. So they're eight and two going into Week Twelve, but that's where they tailspun a little bit. They actually endured endured a, a three-game losing streak here. First, it was losing at Dallas, 24-20. Then they lost at home to the Philadelphia Eagles, 25-16. And then lost at Atlanta, which wound up being their only loss in the division, losing in overtime, 20-14. And so that dropped them to 8-5. and five, But then they rolled off three straight wins, to wrap up the season, winning at Arizona in Week 15, 20-17. Home against Detroit in Week 16, 20-14. And then beating the Giants on the road, 37-24. to So they finished with a 30, uh, finished with 11-5 record. And that, of course, won them the NFC South for the first time. As they entered the NFC playoffs as the number 3 seed. In the NFC playoffs, the Eagles were the number one seed out of the East. The Rams claimed the number two seed, winning the West. The Panthers were the number three seed, and the Packers won the NFC North and the number four seed. The wild cards were the Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. So it start. So the playoff run started January third, two thousand four. The Panthers were at home against the Dallas Cowboys. And the Panthers really stepped up on defense. Um, Held the ball for over 34 minutes. Racked up 380 total yards and held the Cowboys to just 204 yards. Sacked Quincy Carter three times. And the Panthers offense rolled. 273 yards passing for Jake DeLome. Steve Smith had five receptions. 135 yards and a touchdown. Steven Davis ran for 104 yards and a touchdown. And Musa Muhammad had four catches 
for 103 yards as this game really was all Carolina. They knocked off the Cowboys by a final of 29 to 10. Uh, they were up 16 to 3 at the half and then 23 to 3 going into the fourth quarter and held on for the 29 to 10 victory. So the Panthers uh, once again, because we, we touched in the past about the, the 96 divisional against the Cowboys. So the Panthers early on kind of had the Cowboys number in the playoffs. So the Panthers moved on to the divisional round against the St. Louis Rams. And we all know how much fun that game wound up being. In fact, the Panthers website, if you guys didn't see that yet, just posted that full game. Uh, on their website for you guys to watch. The full game of the 2003-2004 NFC Divisional Playoff between the Carolina Panthers and the St. Louis Rams in what was the Panthers' first trip to St. Louis since their final year in the NFC West. And, of course, the, the Panthers were uh, pretty, big, pretty big underdogs here. You know, the Rams were just two years removed from their Super Bowl or their trip to the Super Bowl against the Patriots and the Rams were at home so Panthers weren't really given much of a shot but as we know the Panthers dug down deep dug down deep and uh won what of course became the first double overtime game and the longest NFL game since 1987 of course it wasn't wasn't that long into double overtime. Uh, it did. The Rams did start early on, so we'll get to that last play. But the Rams started the scoring with uh, two field goals to put them up six nothing. But then uh, Musa Muhammad recovered a fumble in the end zone, and the extra point put Carolina on top seven six. Then another field goal by St. Louis put them up nine seven. Then they were trading a couple field goals there. Casey from 45 yards out put the Panthers up 12 or 10-9. Wilkins from 51 51 yards out put the Rams back up 12-10. And then the Panthers kicked two field goals in a row, one from 52, one from 34. That put them up 16 to 12. And then Brad Hoover with a seven-yard run. And now the Panthers feeling they're in control at 23-12 before the Rams. Started pulling back a bit. Marshall Falk ran in from one yard out. And then uh, Looker with the two-point conversion. That made it 23-20. And then Wilkins kicked from 33 yards out. That tied the game at 23. Obviously, they went through the entire overtime uh, without a score. As the Panthers came up with a huge defensive stop in overtime. As Ricky Manning Jr., Picked off a, Mulk, a Mark Bulger pass that was intended for Torrey Holt. And, of course, the play happened on the first play of the second overtime. The one we simply, known, simply know as X-Clown. 69 yards. Jake DeLome to Steve Smith on the first play of double overtime. Won the game for the Panthers. 29 to 23 stunning the st louis rams stunning the greatest show on turf. well not as great a show on turf but still a very good offense the panthers stunned them and for the second time in their franchise history the panthers were on their way to the nfc championship game where they had a date 
with the number one seed, Philadelphia Eagles. On what was a cold day in Philadelphia, just above freezing. And uh, as it turned out, so was the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Um, Donovan McNabb was held to just 100 yards on 10 of 22 completions. Ricky Manning Jr. picked off McNabb three times. Uh, The Panthers' defense sacked McNabb five times. Uh, McNabb was banged up in this game, uh, but this game was just all Carolina. That defense just was all over the Eagles, holding them to just a field goal. And for the first time in franchise history, by a score of 14-3, the Carolina Panthers had won the NFC Conference Championship, and they were on their way to Super Bowl 38, where it was a date with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And I remember a couple years ago, when Mark Schofield was still the host of Locked On Patriots, and he spent the bye week looking back at the then five Super Bowl titles for the New England Patriots. So he did a recap of all five Super Bowl titles uh, with you know some uh, some folks of the other teams, and he was gracious enough to let me talk about this game, Super Bowl Thirty Eight, in which, of course, as we know, the Panthers really weren't expected to hold on, you know, hanging really tight with the Patriots. I mean, you're talking still kind of an upstart Panthers team against a Patriots team that had just won the Super Bowl two years two years prior, and it was Tom Brady's magic. But Carolina really gave them a dogfight, especially in those last few minutes. Uh, the Panthers had that... Uh, had a couple big passes on one of their late fourth quarter drives, including a 19-yard pass to Musa Muhammad, a 31-yard pass to Ricky Prohl, and then uh, eventually caught the game-tying touchdown, and the extra point made it 29-29 with a minute eight to play. Uh, so the Panthers were right there. They're feeling they had a shot. But then we all know what happened next after the game was tied at 29. John Casey kicked the ball out of bounds, setting up New England on their 40-yard line. And just a few plays later, Adam Vinatieri comes out and just like he did against the Rams, kicked the field goal to give the Patriots their second Super Bowl title as the Panthers' run fell just short by a score of 32 to 29 as the Panthers had lost their first Super Bowl appearance and as we know the only other time they made the Super Bowl was Super Bowl 50 but it was still a tremendous season for the Carolina Panthers the boys known of course as the Cardiac Cats after a bunch of their comeback appearances or comeback victories and winning a division title for the first time since 1996 They pretty much got that name, Cardiac Cats, because they played in five road overtime games, winning four of them, which is an NFL record. That includes the double overtime playoff win over the Rams. They also tied an NFL record by winning seven games 
by three points or fewer and led the NFL in comeback wins during the season. And of course, this was kind of the culmination of what was an incredible turnaround in such a short time for the Panthers. Because like I mentioned at the top, this was a team that went 7-9 in 2002. That, of course, was an improvement from 1-15 the previous year in 2001 when they had lost 15 consecutive games under head coach George Seifert. He, of course, was replaced by John Fox. And so in just two years, John Fox took the Panthers from one win to 11 wins and a Super Bowl appearance. Now, hopefully we, uh, you know, I know talking like that, Panthers fans are hoping that similar success is about to come for Matt Rule in uh, in what he did with the Carolina with the, the Baylor Bears and Temple. Now, we're not expecting Rule to lead this Panthers team to a Super Bowl anytime soon, but obviously the uh, the precedence is there for uh for quick turnaround, so we'll see. But um it was just a tremendous year for the Panthers, 11 and 5 winning the NFC South, winning the NFC title and making it to Super Bowl 38. But that's just kind of the quick flashback here of the 2003 Cardiac Cats of the Carolina Panthers. Tomorrow, I think we'll go ahead and look back at their first playoff run, which was back in 1996, just their second year of existence. So with that, I want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and... um, enjoying just enjoying the show and appreciating i appreciate what you guys do for me hope you guys have a great rest of your tuesday i am out we will see you wednesday right here on the locked on panthers podcast until next time bill Rossetti signing off take care everybody we'll see you soon hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.